0: which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: Welcome to Out of Office, the podcast where we bring you conversations about life and leadership. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. Every week, I bring you a conversation with the newsmaker speaking at a Bloomberg Live Summit. This chat, which we record offstage, is freewheeling and it's informal. Here we go beyond the headlines and talk about things our speakers don't get asked about on stage or in their offices. Their childhood, aspirations, mentors, first jobs, favorite book, high points, setbacks, downtime, family, and love because these influences really define how they lead this week
0: i think that again being you know being the child of two families with history of immigration and and the driven nature of uh, of my father's family everybody was a doctor everybody was very well educated uh, and competitive and then my mom's family where you know she didn't go to college So it was a big, big deal for both of them that I do well. And luckily, I enjoyed it, too.
1: We're speaking to Sheila Patel, one of the most powerful women in banking globally. She's the chairman of Goldman Sachs Asset Management. Sheila spoke to Bloomberg at our Invest Summit in London. And after that, she chatted with my colleague, Sasha Kadri. They had a great conversation. They talked about growing up in 1960s New York, which was a very different place to today.
0: I grew up in Staten Island because it was the only place they could rent a home or buy a home.
1: About why Sheila kept all of her reviews as a junior analyst.
0: I still look at them once in a while and they're awesome. (laughs) Not because the young Sheila was awesome or the current Sheila is awesome, but just because it's amazing to have a window into a past self.
1: And how she has her mother to thank for one of her key skills in life.
0: She would be shocked to hear me say it. Unfortunately, she's passed away, but uh, I did give her credit for ability to speak in plain English.
1: Here's Sheila with Sasha. As a
2: Bloomberg TV regular and a well-known name in finance, Most of you are probably more familiar with Sheila's views on investment opportunities or her take on what drives alpha, as she told Bloomberg on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum in Davos this year.
0: This will be the year, I think, Catalyst, maybe Davos and the other work that's being done to get data to the right place to help us drive alpha. Some examples, because examples are key. If you think about data driving alpha, Data has shown that diverse boards drive better governance and have driven better
1: results.
2: But here on Out of Office, we get to see a side of Sheila that most people don't normally have access to. How she grew up celebrating Thanksgiving and Diwali, how it might have been useful to have learned Hindi as a child, and how key her parents were in getting her to where she is today.
0: My parents were my role models, certainly. I've still never seen anybody work as hard as my father works. I try, but uh, he was incredible. And my mom was a very special person as well and and brought a lot of balance to the family because, you know, it was her number one priority. Mm. So overall, especially looking at things now and the history that I've had, they've both been huge contributors to where I am today.
2: Sheila has worked her way up in the finance industry. From the time she was a young analyst, she was spotted for her people skills and for always being prepared to put her hand up for potentially risky career moves that ultimately paid off. That ambition has defined Sheila's personality from early on. So what was young Sheila
0: like? Young Sheila had an interesting life. I think the thing about my parents that was so special was my father was an Indian immigrant to the U.S., uh, went there to be a resident and ended up meeting my mother, who was a first generation Irish Scottish girl from Brooklyn and never left. So a classic uh, New York melting pot story. And it made for an interesting childhood. Uh, we celebrated Thanksgiving and Diwali. We had Indian food for Christmas. We really, really had a multicultural family, and it was a fabulous way to grow up.
2: 1960s New York was a different place to grow up in compared to the melting pot it is today.
0: I grew up in Staten Island because it was the only place they could rent. A home or buy a home, uh, and so a lot has changed. I think they were amazing pioneers, and it's really made me think about the world in a different way.
2: Absolutely. And would you say, as a young person, you are ambitious early on?
0: I think, as a young person, I was always pretty, uh, pretty ambitious. Uh, quite the bookworm, but also just loved to get out and, and uh, be at school. Most kids don't love school. I loved school. I think that again, being you know, being the child of two families with history of immigration and and the driven nature of uh, of my father's family everybody was a doctor everybody was very well educated uh, and competitive and then my mom's family where you know she didn't go to college so it was a big big deal for both of them that i do well and luckily i enjoyed it too (laughs)
2: Though Sheila began her career in finance, she took a short foray into fashion where she worked for a female CEO. Unusual at the time.
0: My foray into retail at Ann Taylor was kind of at a great time in my life. I was in my early 20s. I had done investment banking as an analyst and I had worked on deals for that company, which had, rare enough at the time, unfortunately still a bit rare now, a woman CEO. And that woman said to me, Come work at a company for me and see what it's like to make things. Leave Wall Street and see what a real business is like. Now, I think of Wall Street as real business, but it was fascinating to spend time in an industry with a different perception of deadlines, where seasons mattered for different reasons, where getting a dress in on December 20th was a big difference to getting it in on January 2nd. And at that time, it was just the beginnings, really, of extensive production lines in China, of the kind of outsourcing that people were doing and that now is, you know, well beyond that and commonplace. So it was a huge benefit to me to be in a business right at the top, sitting next to the CEO with her gal Friday. <laughs>
2: But Sheila's heart was in Wall Street and she returned to finance, this time for a job at Morgan Stanley. Seven years later, she joined Goldman Sachs as a managing director. And since 2003, you've had a very successful career at Goldman Sachs. Could I ask you what has been a a pivotal moment in your career?
0: Sure. Well, I think, you know, Goldman Sachs has been an amazing place to work um, for me. Being in multiple regions, being in different divisions, these are all experiences not everybody gets. And I would say there's a fair combination of both the amazing platform that Goldman Sachs offers and then the personal ability to raise your hand and say, it's time for a change or show me something new.
2: Which not everyone can do. No. Not I, everyone's willing to do. Not it. everyone
0: is willing to do. And probably the pivotal moment for me was 2009 when I did raise my hand and say it's post-crisis. Our growth vision. For Asia, which is where I had moved in our sales and trading division, is not what we expected prior to the financial crisis. Uh, What else can I do? Where can I be the highest value both for myself and for the firm? Mm. And those explorations could be quite scary. Because in some ways you're saying, I'm not sure the seat I'm in is meaningful right at the moment in the financial crisis when somebody might say, yeah, you're right. See ya.
2: Sorry, we're (laughs) paying you too much not to do anything.
0: Get lost. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, they didn't say get lost. (laughs) Thankfully, you know, we ended up realizing that there was a great opportunity for me to take some of the skills that I had in terms of clients and relationships and the translation of of finance to the real world and apply it in a different place in asset management. And so out of doing something that felt very risky, Mm. a really great opportunity and really my, you know, my next career came for me.
2: You've had an amazing experience at Goldman Sachs and your trajectory has been fantastic. But it's also talked about as being quite a tough It's a tough industry, finance, and Goldman Sachs is a tough firm as well. How have you maneuvered your way through both of those challenges?
0: Sure. Look, I think it's a competitive industry and nobody would dispute that Goldman Sachs is a competitive place. But I think Goldman has a great culture. Um, For me, as a lateral, adapting and learning that culture was critical and that was Very, very important to being successful within the organization is to understand the way this group of people work and think. And do you work and think the same way? Luckily for me, the collaborative nature of the place, the team-oriented nature of Goldman, the culture of uh, meritocracy and just driving forward kind of suited the personality I had developed as a child. So I'm pretty good with driving forward and I'm pretty good with raising my hand. And so uh, to me, it was a great fit. And I think on both sides, it's propelled me forward, because there's always been a new challenge for us to face as an industry and as a firm. Mm. And that's the fun stuff to me.
2: Mm, No, absolutely. And um, you said that you put your hand forward, you you put your hand up. um, But of course, you must have had the support of your your husband and your family to do that. Was that an easy thing to do for you as a family unit? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very interesting, because if you think about moving as many times as we've had, and I started with Goldman in New York. Work, but I've lived in Asia twice and now London twice. And those changes can be complicated. I was very lucky in that my husband was very flexible. We first started moving when Nate, my stepson, was in high sc- uh, ending high school. So it was good timing. And uh, you'll find that anybody in college is always happy to have parents to visit and remote places around the world. So it worked out well. And I think we looked at it as a a family adventure and a family opportunity. So I've been very fortunate in that. And I think that's, that's kind of the way of the world going forward.
2: Mm, Absolutely. Um, I read that you have saved all of your reviews <laughs> since you were a first-year <laughs> analyst. Yeah. Uh, do you still read them? And, and what do you make of, of uh, Sheila, the analyst now?
0: I still look at them once in a while, and they're awesome. <laughs> Not because the young Sheila was awesome or the current Sheila is awesome, but just because it's amazing to have a window into a past self. And, you know, what I learned from them is a number of different things. I think a great story actually is is looking at a very old one from my first few years in investment banking, right before I went and uh, left finance for a bit to Ann Taylor actually, and there was a woman MD who wrote in one of my reviews, you know, Sheila's quant skills are great, that's all fine, but her real skill lies in dealing with people. And I'm not sure being an analyst in banking is the right path for her. I think we should get her down to a trading floor or get her in something where she's in front of clients sooner because she's great with people and she's really able to translate financial concepts into conversations that are interesting. Oh, she was right. I was very insulted. (laughs) (laughs) I thought my quantitative skills are my number one achievement. My ability to make spreadsheets and analyze companies and, and do all sorts of things that seem like the heavy duty intellectual side of what I should be doing in finance, they seem like the priority and they certainly Were what I might have said if I had to give credit to both sides, I might have said, you know, I got from my father, I got this drive, I got this academic ability, et cetera, et cetera. But in the long run, finance is like any other industry and you have to work with other people. Mm. And importantly, you have to be able to communicate complicated concepts in ways that make sense. Derivatives don't matter if no one will use them. Mm. And derivatives don't make sense if you can't explain and articulate what the usage is in any particular instance, as an example, or anything you might do, MA, uh, an asset allocation, etc. Mm. And so I probably got that from my mother. <laughs> and she would be shocked to hear me say it. Unfortunately, she's passed away. But uh, I did give her credit for ability to speak in plain English.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a skill. It's it is a skill. A skill.
0: Um, and let's,
2: let's talk a little bit more about the industry that you work in. Do you think it has become more female friendly and how do you think it's changed?
0: I think over the years, for sure, our industry has become more female friendly. It's become more friendly, period. Um, one of the things I think is so interesting about finance that sometimes we don't appreciate is it can seem monolithic in terms of the companies, the names, the cultures, etc. But cultures are made by their people. And finance, especially large investment banks, are made up of young, ambitious people. Mm-hmm. We are almost 70% millennials. That will change the character of any company in any firm. Mm-hmm. And those are stakeholders that have different expectations. We've done a tremendous amount of work, for example, on sustainability and ESG. And that's a particular focus of mine as chairman of asset management uh, and as part of uh, management committee of the firm. And when I look at that space, it's not just because we see good business opportunities or we think some of the issues encapsulated in sustainability are important. It's also because it's important to our employees Mm -hmm. and that evolution is something that has made finance a much more open and hospitable place from all manner of diversity perspectives.
2: You've said previously that you raise your hand a lot and for things that people wouldn't necessarily think a woman would raise her hand for. Can you go into more detail on that?
0: Sure. Look, I think um when I look at opportunity sets or I look at engagement with clients or, or I look at having a global role, which I do, there's certainly a lot of things that people think will be harder for a woman. There are certain regions of the world or certain countries where people expect oh, a woman won't be welcome, a, a woman maybe won't be the best person. Not, not actually because they're anti-diversity, they actually just think it'll be a tougher road. I've, I've found the opposite right? I've found that if I'm willing to make the overture, if I'm willing to get on a plane and go to a country that's somehow perceived by people will be more difficult for women, actually more people meet me than the guys. They're interested. They say this, this is somebody that really wants to learn about us, wants to know us. So some of my best relationships uh, with our clients around the world are in places I was told, you can, you can cross it off the list if you want. So here's a globe. And then if you want to color some places red, nothing is red for me.
2: Given that your background is is mixed, does that give you the ability to feel comfortable in a lot of places? So the half Indian, do you feel mm-hmm. a lot more at home in the Middle East than maybe you would have otherwise?
0: Maybe, you know, I, I just, I've always been at home in multicultural situations because it, it was a crazy world I grew up in. My grandparents, my grandmother couldn't talk to my mother mm-hmm. because she didn't speak English and my grandmother, uh, you know, and and my mother didn't speak, uh, mother didn't speak Hindi. So, so you had two people and my, my grandparents came and lived with my parents for two years right after I was born to help, help with the baby. So, uh, you know, my grandmother and my mother had to work it out.
2: Uh, How did they communicate then?
0: Uh, they both liked, I love Lucy. (laughs) And so that helped. Um, they both loved me, which is a wonderful thing. And actually, my mother was a spectacular person. So she came out of it with a lot of great things. They were both great people, but you know, my mother was a terrible cook for whatever you consider American food. But she turned out to be a great cook of Indian food.
2: (laughs) If you could do all of it again, is there (laughs) anything that you would do differently?
0: There's very little I would do differently, right? I think probably one of the few things I would do differently is I probably would have picked up my parents and moved them with me, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, eh, what can you do? I spent a lot of time with them. They both passed away too soon. They were great people. But uh, you know, you always, give, you always give something to get something. Yeah. Living around the world has been an amazing opportunity. Yeah. On the other hand, you're far away sometimes yeah. from people you care about. Mm-hmm. You know, the two funny things are probably, A, they love Bloomberg because they would see me on that at least. <laughs> and then they would shoot me messages about whether they liked what I wore or <laughs> understood what I said. And then, you know, it was very interesting, again, growing up as, as a child of uh, an immigrant, my dad was very, this is America. My kid will speak English. I'm not teaching her Hindi. She doesn't need to know it. She's not being raised as an Indian. She's being raised as an American. And that's all fine until he found out I was moving to Asia and came and visited. And he said, you know, I should have spoken Hindi to you so you'd know if somebody was calling you an idiot. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of him. Although I hope people weren't calling me an idiot in <laughs> India or anywhere else. But but we had a good laugh about it because he he kind of thought about this round trip journey where, you know, immigrating to the U.S. was this amazing, wonderful thing. And yet, here we are, right back out there, looking at the growth that's going on in emerging markets, thinking about what's going on in China and India, and as cosmopolitan and global as as we ever were.
2: Thank you very much, Sheila
1: Patel. Lovely Thank you to so talk much. To you. Thank you. That was Sasha Kadri in conversation with Goldman Sachs's Sheila Patel. Remember, you can find more episodes of Out of Office on the Bloomberg Terminal or on our website, Bloomberg.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you usually get your podcasts. We're also on Twitter, and our handle is simply at podcasts. We'd love it if you could take a minute to rate and review our show, so please do that if you can. And I hope you'll join us again for more candid, informal conversations with newsmakers. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. I'm Malika Kapoor. You can find me at this is malika on Twitter. Thank you for listening.